Well, amen. Thank you so much, worship team. And um, are you ready to dig into God's Word today? All right. Well, as Pastor Caleb said, happy St. Patty's Day. That's the day when everyone pretends they're Irish. <clears throat> and only a few select, chosen, blessed individuals can actually say that. <laughs> But for the rest of you, today's your day to be like one of us. <clears throat> now, I'm glad you're here today. My name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles and turn to the New Testament book way, 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 way at the back of 1 John as we start this new series called Who's Your One? Who's Your One? And uh, our scripture reading will be from 1 John chapter 1, the first four verses there. 1 John chapter one. That's our scripture reading for today as we begin this new series. And um, as uh, we look at the text here, many people are celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Some are down running a marathon. Uh, others are thinking about how they're going to celebrate uh, with parties or Jameson or Guinness. I don't know. Maybe we're going to tell stories about uh, how St. Patrick drove snakes out of Ireland or something like that. Um, or uh, maybe they're going to, like they did in Chicago, right? They dye the river green. And um, I come from an, an Irish family, as uh, Pastor Caleb was saying. Uh, he hasn't been back to the motherland like I have, so he's not, uh, he's not, he hasn't made the, the pilgrimage yet. <clears throat> but I have uh, hung upside down and kissed the Blarney Stone myself. And uh, I'm, I'm only like, I don't know, third generation, I guess. Uh, I'm new here. So, uh, but... As much of my family, good old Irish Catholics they are, um, we talk about St. Patrick's Day, and as many people are celebrating, I think most people forget what um, St. Patrick's Day is really about. And, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but St. Patrick was a missionary. Um, and so St. Patrick's Day, if, if anything, aside from celebrating, is a celebration of the gospel. It's a celebration of the good news going from one land to another. It's a celebration of forgiveness, the forgiveness that God has offered people. And so um, I want us to look at the text here this morning, 1 John um, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And uh, hopefully you found it, or, or there's a pew Bible. You can use the table of contents there. I want to read the first four verses there, and then we'll um, uh, talk about that together. We'll talk about St. Patrick a little bit and so if you'll join me for the reading of God's word, it says this. That which was from the beginning, that which was from the beginning, that which was from the what? The beginning. Who's that talking about? It's talking about Jesus, folks. It's talking about Jesus. That which was from the beginning, that which was from the beginning. And, and John is, is the apostle John here, and he was... He was one of Jesus' best friends. He was actually called the beloved disciple. So on earth, this guy who is now writing to us, he's, he's writing from the best friend of Jesus' perspective. He wrote the Gospel of John, and now this is his letter, or as they call it, um, uh, an epistle. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. And have touched with our hands concerning the word of what? Of life. Man, the word we have brings life. Amen. That encourage you. Verse 2. 
the life, the life was made manifest. That means like we, we can see it and experience it. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest or experienced to us. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our what? Our joy may be complete. Let's pray together as we gather around God's word. Father, speak through your word, Lord Jesus, as only you can. I pray that you'd help me, a sinner, saved by your goodness, by your grace, communicate, God, your truths. But Father, we know it's the Holy Spirit's work and it's the word doing its work here in us and hearts here. And so I just pray that we would continue to worship you. Worship you with our minds, Lord. Not distracted, not thinking about the week to come, not thinking about the to-do list or the grocery list. But Father, giving you our attention and our focus now as we worship you. And I just pray for you as you're in your seat. Would you just have a little conversation with God? And would you say something like this to him? No matter if you've had a conversation with God in a long time or not, that's okay. I just challenge you and invite you to say, Lord, speak to me today. Lord, speak to me today, for I intend to obey. Just pray that in your heart. Lord, I intend to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, let's talk a little bit about our good old friend, St. Patrick. I think we have a picture. Um, I'm sure that looks exactly like him. Um, he grew up in the late 300s A.D. and then into the 400s. And uh, it, is, it is believed that he died on March 17th in the mid 400s there but um many people don't know that that he actually was an irish he was an irish i know i know he wasn't chosen either um uh he was born probably scotland or wales uh but he was kidnapped when he was 16 and um he was kidnapped when he was 16 by pirates and uh i don't know about you but we have sort of a little tradition in our house we show the veggie tales video and it's just something we got to do we eat lucky charms and um, and that's that's um, that's how we do it in the Mackey household. And um, yes, preaching, preaching. I know I'm, I'm, I'm getting I'm just getting started. And uh, but St. Patrick was kidnapped at the age of 16. Could you imagine that being kidnapped? He was kidnapped by the Irish. <laughs> Such great people we were. And uh, but the Celts were known as barbarians, were known as cruel people. Uh, they were outside of the Roman Empire and, and were called barbarians and um, and just uh, the Druids and the slavery and the sacrifice and, and the things they did there were pretty horrific. And so Patrick was stolen and, uh, and was forced to be a slave for a number of years, approximately about six years. But he had grown up hearing about God. He had grown up hearing the gospel. It is purported that his dad was a deacon. His father was a pastor uh, his grandfather, excuse me. <clears throat> and um, and so he knew the gospel truths, but he didn't walk with God until he was pressed during that time, until he was kidnapped. And then he began to seek God out. He began to pray. 
and pray and seek God's help. And then one day God gave him a vision. He said uh, his name actually wasn't Patrick uh, either. Um, in fact, he got the nickname Patrick because he acted in a fatherly-like way. And, and the Latin word, uh, which we now get for Patrick, Patricus, uh, meaning father. Um, uh, and so anyhow, his name was Maywin Suckett. And as the VeggieTale videos uh, would, would say, uh, I don't like that name. Can I be called Patrick now? And, um, and the narrator says, no, not yet. And, um, <clears throat> and so, but, um, but he's kidnapped and then God gives him a vision and says, your time is up. So he serves as a slave for six years. And then God gives him a vision and says, there's a ship waiting for you. You just follow my directions. He follows God's directions, gets on a ship, gets sailed around, goes to France, all this stuff. He ends up making his way back to his home, finds his family. It was a beautiful um, reuniting. But because of the persecution, because of the hardships that he faced, he says, man, I feel called into the ministry now. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving my life of, of sin, and man, I want to pursue God with all my heart. And so he became a priest, and he, he served as a priest for about uh, 20 or so years. And then he felt he had a, another vision, another dream, very similar to the one that, that the apostle Peter had. And in this dream, the Irish people came to him, and they said, we beg you to come and walk among us again. <clears throat> please, would you come and walk among us again? And man, he just felt God was speaking to him. I need to go. And the people who I have hated, the people who kidnapped me and stole my innocence and stole me from my, my parents, stole me from my safety, I need to go and forgive those people because those people did that because they don't know Christ. And I need to share Christ with them. And so um, he left the priesthood, went as a missionary. There weren't much mission um, works going on. There were a few churches in Ireland, and he goes to live amongst the people. But what he did differently than most missionaries is because Patrick had lived among the people. He knew the language. He knew the customs. He knew how they dressed. He just lived among them as a normal person. So we call contextualizing in, in ministry. And, and then he just began as he knew their language. He knew their stories. Man, he could just share the gospel so easily with them. And then great revival swept through the land of Ireland. And that's why he's celebrated today, and rightly so, although probably celebrated in the wrong ways today, amen? Um, <clears throat> we should be celebrating missionaries, celebrating the gospel going forth. But, but Patrick had a burden for the lost people of Ireland. He had a burden for them to know Christ. And he wasn't uh, uh, a great man. He wasn't um, some great orator. In fact, he felt because he missed out on a lot of education uh, because of his sinful ways when he was young and then being uh, a slave, he felt like he, he couldn't add much. But he knew that God called him. And he knew the people needed someone to tell them. And he had his eyes set on, on one vision. In fact, I want to share with you just a quote that he wrote. He, he left behind two writings for us. One called his Confessions, another one is a letter. And, um, and so he says this. I love his heart and his attitude. But Patrick says this. <clears throat> he says, so first, so I am first of all a simple country person. How many of you feel like that sometimes? I'm just a simple old country boy, right? <clears throat> You're in good company. He says, I feel like a refugee, right? I feel like a refugee. I feel unlearned. I feel unlearned. I don't feel qualified. I do not know how to provide for the future. This is Patrick. This is his, this guy we're celebrating, right? But this I know for certain. Man, check out this certainty. That before I was brought low, I was like a stone lying deep in the mud. Then he who is powerful came and in his mercy pulled me out. 
and lifted me up and placed me on the very top of the wall. That is why I must shout aloud in return to the Lord for such good and great deeds of his here and now and forever, which the human mind cannot measure. This is the testimony of St. Patrick. This is his story. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long, right? He's saying, I feel like I'm an unlearned man. I feel like I'm this. And I, I just feel like I'm a stone laying in the mud. And then one day somebody came and pulled me out of the mud and set me on a rock. That's the story of how he got saved. That's his testimony as Christians say it. God put me on this wall, on this rock. I didn't change my own life, but one day I met Jesus and he came and he changed my life. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as we start this new series called Who's Your One? And we can throw that slide back up there. Who's Your One? is is us. This is for a time, but not just a time because it's more than just a sermon series. It's more than a, than a program. We want it to be a lifestyle for us as believers to be able to say, who is the one person? I know there are many, but sometimes it just helps us to have a singular focus. Who is the one person God has put in my life that needs to know Christ and that I am going to share my story with? I'm going to share my testimony. I'm not going to know all the answers to all their questions, but I'm going to say to them, hey, look, friend, hey, uh, co-worker, hey, classmate, hey, sister, hey, grandchild. You know what? I felt like a rock in the mud. That's how I felt. Have you felt like a rock in the mud? I felt like a rock in the mud, too. But one day, Jesus Christ came and picked me up out of the mud. And let me tell you how good he is. This is my story. This is my testimony, right? And, and that's what this is about. And so I, I want you to be praying. I want you to be thinking about who is the one person in your life that, that you could put some more intentional focus on to, to invest in them, to show them the love of Christ, right? To show them the love and then to tell them, right? We like to call it show and tell, right? Just like the little kids do, right? They like to show and tell. You got to do both, right? You can't just tell people. You got to show people the love of Christ. And then you tell them about the love. You can't just show people the love of Christ and never tell them about it. You got to do both. We like to say you got to demonstrate the love of Christ and communicate the love of Christ. Show and tell, demonstrate, communicate, or invest in them and invite them to know Christ. And so I want you to be thinking about, in fact, you've got a little bookmark in there in your bulletin, and uh, there's a prayer guide in that, and and um, it's, it's perforated. And uh, I don't want you to do it just a second. We're going to do it in a little bit. <clears throat> but for those of you who missed the old connection card that we used to tear off, this will be your, your blast to the past. You'll be able to tear this off in a few moments. Um, but I want you to just be thinking about it. You can hold this as, as I'm preaching and just be thinking about it. Maybe you already know who it is. You can put their name down. But somebody who needs to know about Christ in your life, in your circle of influence, at the gym, in your class, a college professor, uh, a cousin, somebody who you can speak to, that you're going to share your story. You're going to have a burden for them. Just like Patrick had a burden for the people of Ireland. Amen. And, and, and Patrick's going to say, I feel like I'm unlearned. I feel like I'm unschooled. I feel like I can't even provide for my own future. But this I know for sure. Jesus Christ saved me. And that I know. I don't have all the other answers, but I know how good God is. And I just want to tell you about his goodness. Amen. And so we're going to talk about this. And really, this is what John is talking to us about in this text here. He's talking about testifying. He's talking about sharing our story. Reach over and touch your neighbor and tell him, I know you have a story, don't you? I know you have a story, don't you? You got a story, right? 
Every believer has a story about how God has saved them. Every believer has a story about how God has saved them. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you say, I'm not a follower of Christ. You've got a story and God is just waiting to complete it. And, uh, and God is, is, is not done writing your story. And so many times we feel like our story is over and God says, oh, I got a whole book of things you haven't even imagined that I want to write for you. And the chapter and the book is not over. And so uh, I want to invite us over the next 30 days to be praying for somebody, um, to be following the, on this bookmark here. There are some, um, uh, some prayer guide here, some scripture readings, and, and every day praying for them and then making some intentional moves towards them. Right, and so let's look back at the text. Let's see what, what uh, testifying really is. Look with me at verses 1 through 2. It says this. That which was from the beginning. That's Jesus, right? Which we have, what? Heard, right? What John is saying here is, look, I was there. I heard Jesus speaking the Sermon on the Mount. I heard Jesus telling the Pharisees to repent and believe. I heard Jesus teaching us how to pray. I heard Jesus. I heard this. I am a witness to this. I have seen it and experienced this. I've heard this. I was there. And then notice what else he says. He says, that which we have what? Seen. I, I saw Jesus raise somebody from the dead. I saw him spit on the ground and, and get some mud together and put it on somebody's eyes and their blindness was healed. I saw him Man, Lazarus was dead and stinky in a grave. And I saw Jesus and I heard him say, Lazarus, come out. And I saw a dead man come out of his grave. I saw that with my eyes. I, I was there on the boat. I was there on the boat when the storm was rocking it and going crazy. And we were about to be sunk. And I saw Jesus with my own eyes walking on the water, defying the laws of gravity. I saw him come out to us. And I saw him call Peter out, my friend. And I saw him calm the storm. I saw that with my eyes. I saw that. And then he says, look at the next verse there. Seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. He would say, what's the difference between seen with our eyes and looked upon? And, and, and the, the Greek idea here in the text is, man, we are gazing upon. We are, we are gazing in worship. Like when he did those things, when he calmed the storm, we were just like, O-M-U. You just did that. Right. I changed. I changed the letter there just so y'all could stay with me. OK, you just changed that. How did, how did you just calm the storm? Like how I, I'm just gazing in awe and worship. I've looked upon you and now I'm falling at your feet and saying, woe unto me. I'm an unclean man. And I'm, I'm gazing upon. Him. That's what John is saying. And look at look at the next thing. And we have what? Touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John is saying, I. I touched the, I touched the skin of Jesus. I, I actually was there. I, I knew what it was like. Man, I, I bet Jesus just, I'd love to get some big old manly hugs, right? You know, I, that's how I imagined Jesus was. And, and John was his best friend, the beloved disciple. I imagine Jesus picked him up, you know, and just, John, so good to see you. Just cranked his back a little bit as he gave him a big old hug. Just, oh, yeah, John. And Peter, what's up? Give me, give me some dad, Peter. And, and you know, those 12 guys hanging out, you know how guys do when they're hanging out. We do all kinds of goofy things. And, and we think Jesus wasn't having a good time with those guys. Jesus knew and, and is filled with joy. And, and, and John is saying, I've heard that. I've seen it. I've touched that. I can tell you what the Son of God is like. And then he says, right, what's the next thing? Okay, the life 
Jesus is the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life, as he says in the gospel. Verse 2, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we what? Testify. I mean, as I share the story to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and made manifest to us. In verse 3, he says, that which we have seen and heard. He's reminding us of what testifying means, of what sharing a story means. What we have seen and heard, we Proclaim also to you. And then there's a so that. So that's important, right? What's the reason? So that you can have fellowship with us. Why does God want us to testify? Why does God want us to share the love of Christ? I mean, because his family, he wants his family to be reunited. The Bible tells a story that all of God's kids ran away in rebellion away from him. All of us, prodigal kids, run away, stiff-arming God, doing life our own way. And God says, I want my kids to come back. I want my family back home. And we're the kids who, who God brought back. And we get to say, hey, other kids, man, God's not mad at you. You're welcome to come home. You're welcome to come home. That's what testifying is. And we, and we want God's family to continue to grow because he wants all of his kids back in his house for eternity. Amen. And then it says this, right? So we get fellowship. We want our fellow brothers and sisters to be with us. Our fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with who? With the Father and with his son, Jesus. Why? Why are we doing this? Man, so people can be reunited with their creator, with the Father and with the Son. And then it says this. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I'm telling you, when you live this kind of life, it is living life to the full. Your, your joy is full. Sometimes as Christians, we're not experiencing joy because we're not walking in obedience to share the gospel with others, right? As I said a couple of months back, and our brother Pete just so vividly reminded us the other week when he talked about being spiritually constipated. Um, <clears throat> just a, a beautiful picture there for your mind there. And, and part of that constipation is I've got to get God's word out of me. I've got to share the love of Christ. And, and man, I'm, I'm starting to get bloated and, and sour and stinky because I'm not sharing the love of Christ with anybody. I got I to gotta share that with others. I mean, when you don't do that, your joy starts to get smaller. But when you do that, man, there is no joy like seeing God change somebody else's life. Like you having a role in that and a small part in that. And so, boy, we testify. And so testify. You can write this down. I think we'll throw it on the screen there. Uh, testify. It's simply this is telling the story about what I have seen, heard or experienced, right? Telling the story about what I have seen, heard or experienced. We testify about all kinds of things. Saw the new uh, How to Train Your Dragon movie and we testify about it, right? It was so good. Go see Captain Marvel. We testify about it, right? You go to a good restaurant and you testify about it. You go to a bad restaurant. And you testify about it all up on Yelp and Facebook and everything else. And Google, you got one star, right? We testify about all kinds of things. We have seen, heard, or experienced some things. And it's natural for us to testify. The question is, man, have we seen, heard, and experienced the risen Christ? And are we testifying about that? And maybe if we have him, maybe we haven't experienced him, maybe his freshness isn't, is new to us, right? And, and, and his relationship is, is strained. We need to get closer to him and, because, man, when God forgives you, when God is working in your life, you have all kinds of things to testify about. Amen? God, you kept me from something stupid this morning, Lord. I praise you for that. 
Lord, you, you woke me up today. I testify to that. Thank you for your goodness. And so this is, listen to me this. There's, a, there's an old country preacher, talking about country preachers. There's an old country preacher, Clayton King. Uh, when I went to old Gardner-Webb University, he was a worship leader at the church I was at. He's a preacher now, an evangelist. And, uh, and then he, he, he left the good place, right, Gardner-Webb University, and he went to the bad place. Uh, that'd be Liberty University where my wife went to college. And so he's a traitor. Um, but I'll forgive Clayton for that. Uh, he's old South Carolina country boy wearing overalls, just a, I mean, country boy. But, but he, would, he would say something like this. He would say, I don't got to do this. I get to do this. Are you with me? I don't got to do this. I get to do this. The get to is greater than the got to. I get to be part of God's mission. I get to share God's story. And then when I understand that I get to, then I got to because I really want to. I know that's bad grammar. And some of y'all are still trying to catch up to me, but it's good preaching, okay? <clears throat> I don't got to, but I get to. I get to testify. And so the title of today's message, somebody's like, whoa, you just got to the title? Holy Moses. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. What are you trying to say here, Pastor? These are the four Gospels that are written in the Scriptures. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And what some people would say, there's a fifth Gospel. The Christian. In fact, there's an old evangelist. His name is Gypsy Smith. And, uh, and his quote is this. There are five Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Christian. But most people will never read the first four. You may have heard a version of that quote before, right? Most people will never read the Bible. That's where it comes from. Gypsy Smith, the old evangelist, he said, most people will never read the first four, but they will read me. They will read you. We are all living, breathing, walking, talking gospels. People are reading our lives. So it matters how you act. It matters how I act. It, it matters what I do at the gym. How I act in school when I'm sitting there and, um, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm looking over at my neighbor's test and I'm thinking about cheating in school. It matters because I'm a Christian. People are reading my life. People are watching what I post on social media because they're watching. They know I'm a Christian. And when I post things that are derogatory or negative, how is that preaching the gospel to other people? They're reading our lives. And so what is the story you and I are telling? So it matters when we're at the grocery store, it matters how we work. It matters how we speak to one another. Because we are all living, breathing, walking, talking gospels. And people are reading our lives. Amen? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. Reach over and touch your neighbor and tell them you too. You too. <clears throat> Some of you are wondering, like, are those the name of the guys in YouTube? Are those at the Beatles? Let me just quickly tell you about these guys, and and uh, and then we'll try to tie this up with some real practical things. And so uh, Matthew wrote a gospel. Matthew was also known as Levi. He was a tax collector. He was a hated sinner. He was a bad dude, a greedy and selfish dude. But Jesus called him away from that, and he left everything, and he followed Jesus. And then he wrote a gospel. And his primary purpose was testifying to the Jews. Listen to me now. 
testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. He used more Old Testament references than any other gospel writer. Matthew had a unique calling about testifying, about sharing that Jesus was the Messiah. That was his role, right? Then Mark. Mark is the shortest gospel. It's, it's, it's the first gospel written, and it's all about action. Mark was an action or he got everywhere when you read the, the gospel of Mark. Immediately, Jesus got up and did this. Immediately, the disciples got up and did this. Immediately, he got up and healed. Immediately, he went to Bethesda and did this. He's an actionary guy. Mark just gets to the point. That's his personality, right? And Mark was, was with Peter, the apostle Peter, one of the disciples. He was with Peter, most likely was with Peter while he was imprisoned in a Roman prison cell. And Peter was telling him what to put in the gospel. And Mark's gospel was going out to those Roman citizens there where Peter was in prison. And so Mark was writing to, to help convince Roman citizens that Jesus was the Son of God. Mark had his own personality. He loved to show the showdown between Jesus and demons. A lot of demon possession going on in Mark. And, and he loved to show how Jesus was Lord over that. I mean, that was kind of unique to the people in the city of Rome. They needed to see some stuff about Jesus being the Son of God. And so Matthew had a unique role as, as a Jewish tax collector and former just, man, you know, greedy dude. Mark had a unique role. Luke, Luke was a doctor, and he was the only Gentile author of the Gospels. And as a doctor, he was very detail-oriented. He wrote in perfect Greek. You can see how educated he was. Um, he was commissioned by a guy named Theophilus, and he actually wrote Luke and the book of Acts. And this guy, Theophilus, we don't know much about him. His name is Lover of God. But he commissioned Luke to write this because he, he wanted to gather, listen to me now, evidence. And he used the doctor to do it, a detailed, meticulous, well-educated, writing in the perfect Greek of the day, investigating and interviewing the eyewitnesses to the events of Jesus. And so Luke goes around and interviews these eyewitnesses, man, using his knowledge and his logic and his skill and his intelligence and so Luke has a unique calling. And he is writing to help the curious see that Jesus really was the Messiah. He really was the Savior. And so he spends years tracking down these eyewitnesses, testifying. That was Luke's testimony. And then John, the beloved, the guy who wrote this little book that we're looking at. John focused on belief all throughout there. He focused on the divinity of Jesus, showing that Jesus was not just a good teacher, was not just a, a good preacher, or not just a magician, but he was the actual son of God, that he did these miracles. And John's focus was to prove to Greeks outside of Judaism that they can also be saved. And you see Jesus on every page, and it's just filled with awe and wonder at the miracles and the power that he did. And, and John had a unique role testifying to the people God called him to. And then there's you. And me. And what are we writing? What is the story of our lives testifying to the uniqueness that Jesus really has saved us and he really is true? Does your life tell that story? That's what Who's Your One is all about, is our lives, is us sharing our story. We get to do this. We don't got to do this. Amen? But when you get to, you got to. And so, let me just demystify evangelism so I can de-stress you. Because that word evangelism, it's got like some baggage with it, right? It's got some baggage. Ooh, pastor, like, oh, man, evangelism. No, I can't, you know. It's like, it's like uh, especially if that word evangelism has the word tele in front of it. Like, oh, tele-evangelist, real bad guys. Almost as bad as tele 
tubbies, right? And uh, oh, both weird, both creepy, somehow both trying to get my money, you know? And um, I don't know. Teletubbies do it subliminal, you know? They don't even speak English. And um, and so let me demystify evangelism with you. Let me give you a couple points you can write them down, and then we'll close out. Number one, you can write this down. This is what evangelism is. Evangelism is joining a conversation God is already having with someone. Amen? Evangelism is joining a conversation God is already having with somebody. We have to change our assumption. Because here's, here's, this is a game changer, right? We mostly assume, I've assumed this, you've assumed this by the devil's prompting. Nobody wants to talk about God. Nobody wants to talk about Jesus. Everywhere I go, nobody wants to. We assume wrongly. We forget God has been speaking to everybody and calling everyone since before they were born. God is working in all kinds of ways in their lives, speaking to them and trying to get their attention. So next time you speak to somebody, assume they went to church when they were little. Right? Assume that, Assume God has already been burdening them. Next time you speak to somebody, assume maybe they didn't go to church, but they had a grandma who had a Bible verse plaque above the toilet. And every time they went into the toilet, they read her plaque. And they were always wondering what that meant. You know what I mean? Right. Assume God has already been calling them and speaking to them. Man, I know when people were sharing Christ with me, you know, the Advent Kula family. And I, and I see some of you guys here today. Man, God was working on my heart. He was using people in my life, coaches and, and people I met and and through the death of, of my best friend. And um, and then these people come with the good news. And uh, and then it starts putting all this stuff good. But I have been wondering, I have been wondering. How does a person get to heaven? How is that possible? And then here come these people with the good news telling me, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave us one of us and that whoever believes in him should not perish but can have eternal life. Never heard that verse all my life growing up. And these people come sharing their testimony, simple, small. But they, they share their testimony. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them playing their role. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Navinkula family, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. So evangelism is joining a conversation God is already having. Assume God is already speaking to someone. Assume God has been burdening their heart. Assume God has been talking to them. Assume that. Number two, evangelism is not. Evangelism is not just for pastors and professionals. Not just for me. Not just for uh, the elders, uh, the deacons, Brother Pete. And, uh, and Chris Carruthers or Tony or like just for the community group leaders, just for those. It's not just for pastors and professionals. Every Christian is called to tell their story, right? To testify. It's just telling your story. And if you can't tell your story, I love you, but you may not have one. And, and you need to know how did God say, how did God do just like Patrick? I was a rock in the mud and he picked me up and put me on the wall. Just like Patrick, you can do that. You can talk about how God saved you. So it's not just for pastors and professionals. Number next, evangelism is not a thorough theology lesson. Evangelism is not a thorough theology lesson. It was like, I don't know all the questions they might ask me, like I was saying earlier in the sermon. I don't know, what if they ask me about, you know, why are dinosaurs not mentioned in the Bible? What am I going to say to them? What, what am I going to say to them when they ask me, okay, were dinosaurs on the ark? How do you get a T-Rex on the ark with bunny rabbits? 
How does that make sense? Well, actually, it makes perfect sense. It's just like, here, T-Rex, come on, come on, come on, we got some bunnies in here. You know, it's like, they're easy to catch. <clears throat> Pastor Caleb's having some bunny issues with his family and his, uh, so we're praying for him. <laughs> and uh, I said, man, I'm going to talk about bunnies today in the sermon. And so, uh, but listen, you don't have to have degrees. You don't have to have more degrees on your wall than Fahrenheit, right? In order to, to testify, right? You don't, you don't have to do that. It's not a thorough theology lesson. It's your story of what you have seen and experienced and heard. This is how Jesus changed my life. I know he can change your life. This is what I walked through. This is how God got me out of it. Man, God is so good. I don't have all the answers. It's not a thorough theology lesson. Number four, evangelism is not a slick sales pitch. You're not trying to sell anybody anything. It's not a slick sales pitch. I don't know if you ever met somebody who tried to sell you something, right? Like the old vacuum cleaner salesman. And I know those are way back in the days, but listen, they were still coming to Norfolk just a few years ago because they were over at my house trying to sell me a vacuum. And, um, and they're like, hey, we got this great done vacuum. Can we come in? No. You see, I got five kids here we're trying to eat. You hear them screaming. You see one throwing um, uh, SpaghettiOs on the other one. Hey, look, it'll just take a second. Uh, just let us in. What? Oh, I'm going to let you in, all right. I'm going to let you in. You're going to feed my kids, and I'm going to leave and vacuum up my house while I'm gone. Crazy. And, uh, you know, but they just don't even care about you. They just care about getting what's on their mind out and, and fulfilling something. They don't have any love or concern for you. And sometimes, I've even been approached by some Christians, perhaps well-meaning, but, but just wrong direction Christians. They don't care about somebody. They don't want to listen to anybody. They don't want to love them and demonstrate them. Loving people takes time and it's messy and caring about a coworker, caring about a neighbor, caring about a grandchild or, or a grandparent. It's not a slick sales pitch. And then lastly is this. Number five, evangelism is, it is the most loving thing you can do for someone. I mean, I, I remember when I was so grateful when the Evan Kula family shared the gospel with me and they told me how I could be saved. Boy, my eternal destiny was set because I knew that if I died, I would go straight to hell. And I knew that. And for them to share that with me, to give me that kind of confidence. And then I wondered, here's what I wondered in my life. Why didn't somebody share this with me earlier? I really wondered that. I'm like, where were all the Christians my whole life? Where were these people? I went to school. I, I, you know, I even sort of went to church every, every once in a while, but I never heard anybody preaching about this. I never heard anybody talk to me about this. Where have these people been? I wish somebody would have been here earlier. This could have saved me from a whole bunch of nonsense. And I was grateful. It was the most loving thing they could do for me. Let me help illustrate it like this, because, you know, um, all of us are going to face the grave, Right. You got problems, I got problems. You can have financial problems, you can have health problems. And, and, and look, some of the problems may not come to you. But you know what will come to all, every human being? The grave. And as believers, we have, by God's grace, been shown how people can resurrect from the grave. What is the beauty of eternal life? It's the great equalizer, and we have that. It's the most loving thing you can do for somebody to tell them how they can be reconnected, reunited with their creator. Because we're all, every one of us, dying on the inside in need of healing, and Jesus is the source of our healing. How about if I put it like this? My kids and I were watching the Ant-Man 
and the Wasp the other day. And in Ant-Man and the Wasp, there is this villain known as Ghost. And, and uh, she's had some funky subatomic particle experience. And so she phases through matter. She can just walk through walls. She can disappear. Bullets can fly through her. It's kind of a cool thing. But the problem is she's dying because of this. In fact, this is what it says. It says, my very cells, at the very core of my being, my cells are being ripped apart. And so it works cool to walk through walls, but it's killing me. And so she's searching for a cure. She's searching for a cure, and she finds out that, that the Ant-Man's people uh, have the cure, and, 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 uh, and the mom is trapped in this world, and she, they're going to suck this energy out, and they're going to put her back together because she needs this healing. Because at her very cellular level, she's being torn apart, and she's on a ticking time bomb. And, um, and, um, and uh, Lawrence Fishburne says to her, look, I don't know how long you have, and they're trying to prolong it. But she's being ripped apart on the insides. That's true of every human being at a cellular level. We are infected with sin. And Jesus is the cure. And what happens in this movie is the mom comes out of the subatomic particle land, the quantum land, and, and she puts her hands on this lady and she heals her and it puts her cells back together. So she stops phasing and all this crazy mess. That's what happens when Jesus touches somebody's life. He puts their life back together at the soul level. Amen. And that gives them eternal life now and forever. Amen? So who are you going to testify about? I'd like you to take these cards, please. And um, you can go ahead and give them a little extra bend. Give them a little extra bend. <clears throat> and then on the count of three, I'd like all of us to, to rip them off. Hopefully you put a name on there. And what I'd like for you to do, uh, we're going to tear it on the, on the count of three. Give it a good bend. Yeah, we do, we do need Marcus. Are right, you guys ready? I'm going to make sure I don't want to be up here looking foolish and rip mine in half like some of us did back in those good old days of connection card ripping. Uh, on the count of three, let's rip them. You guys ready? One, two, three, go. Oh, man. Didn't that feel good? Right? Just tearing paper, just something. Just something for the soul. Not good as Jesus for the soul, but it, it's close. Let me ask you to do this. On this little one, you stay with me now. On this little one, that's where I want you to put the name of somebody who you know needs Christ. And then I'm going to ask you to put this in the offering plate later so that we can pray with you. And then guess what? You're, you're keeping this. So you can put this on your mirror so you can pray for them regularly so you can follow along these scriptures and, and then be demonstrating and communicating and say, God, I, I, I want to put this emphasis on this. And, and maybe for the next year, God, show me how to love this person well. Show me how to pray for this person well. And use this little prayer guide here. And um, and watch what God does with your focus on one. As Natasha read so beautifully, right, that Luke 15 passage for us earlier, didn't she? There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner. I love how God leaves the 99 to go for the one. And then what does he do with that lost sheep? Isn't that just a beautiful picture? Did you catch that when Natasha was reading that? Puts the sheep on the shoulders. That's what we're talking about, folks. Who is your one that you're praying for that you're putting a concentrated effort on? to testify, to share your story. And so we're going to have a time of response here. If you'd like to pray for somebody, we, we'd be here. The altar's open. Uh, myself, um, some of our deacons and elders, will be here to pray with you. Um, however God is moving your heart. If, if you don't know Christ personally, you've been somebody's one. Somebody's been praying for you. Maybe it's your grandma. Maybe it was the person who invited you here today. And you're that one. And you want to learn how to get your relationship with Jesus squared away. Just know you're not in a room filled with perfect people. You're, you're in a room filled with people who are just like you. And, um, and God 
pick them up, just like Patrick, out of the mud and place them on the hill. We'd love to help you know how to do that, how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so let's pray together, and then we'll have our response time. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for picking me up. Thank you for using the people of God, faithful people, not pastors and professionals, but faithful people of God, everyday members of Plaza. And here I am, the pastor, so many years later. Who would have ever thought that, God? Your story is far better than we could have ever imagined. And and you use the faithful obedience of some people, God, to testify, to share their story about your goodness. God, thank you for that. Thank you for, God, how you're going to use this church, Lord, in these upcoming weeks and months, God. I'm excited to see how they're focused on one, just like you focused on one, the one sheep that was lost. God, give them a heart for the one person in their life that's lost. And I pray, Lord Jesus, you'd give us the courage and the grace to do it. We'd realize, God, you'd change our assumptions, that you're already having these conversations. And I pray for those maybe who are sitting amongst us today, they don't know you. And I pray, Father, that they would grab their neighbor and say, can you, can you tell me how to get healing? Can you tell me how to have a personal relationship with Jesus? They, they could walk this aisle. They could put on their connection card. I'd like to receive Christ, and we'd love to help them come to know you personally. So, Father, thank you for meeting with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.